0: I want to talk to you today about when you struggle to believe that God really does love you. Uh, He is the good shepherd. I love Jake's illustration here of when one of us as sheep gets themselves in trouble that he's saying they're trying to save us time and time again in spite of ourselves. The greatest truth in all of Scripture is this, that God is love. Not that he loves, but that he is love. And understanding that will set you free to experience all that is truly yours as a Christian. Now, if you grew up experiencing unconditional love in your family, that may not be difficult for you. However, if your early years were void of love, the truth may be harder to accept that God loves you and he loves you unconditionally. But he does. He loves you, not because you deserve his love, but because his nature is love. And the only way you will ever be able to relate to him is to accept that truth. His love gives you a worth that nothing can ever diminish. You're a child of God, and you're loved by him. Look at what it says in 1 John. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. AND AS WE LIVE IN GOD, OUR LOVE GROWS MORE PERFECT. SO WE WILL NOT BE AFRAID ON THE DAY OF JUDGMENT, BUT CAN FACE HIM WITH CONFIDENCE BECAUSE WE LIVE LIKE JESUS HERE IN THIS WORLD. SUCH LOVE HAS NO FEAR, BECAUSE PERFECT LOVE, IT SPELLS ALL FEAR. IF WE ARE AFRAID, IT IS FOR FEAR OF PUNISHMENT, AND THIS SHOWS THAT WE HAVE NOT FULLY EXPERIENCED HIS PERFECT LOVE. Now, if you have trouble accepting the truth that God loves you, you will be limited in how you will relate to him. When he disciplines, him, disciplines you, you will not take that as an expression of his love. In fact, you may resent him. When he says no to a request that you submit to him because it's less than his very best for you, you might conclude that he really doesn't care about you. Without a clear understanding and acceptance of God's love for you, you will always be disoriented to Him and what He is really wanting to do in your life. But if you accept that God loves you, He loves you unconditionally, you're going to be able to return love to God and also to be able to love others. Now, if I could sit here and hear the thoughts of so many Christians online and in here today, WHAT I WOULD HEAR IS SOMETHING LIKE THIS. GOD LOVES THE WORLD, CHECK. GOOD WITH THAT ONE. GOD LOVES OTHER PEOPLE, CHECK. VERY OKAY WITH THAT ONE. GOD LOVES ME. I HAVE TO SAY THAT BECAUSE THE SCRIPTURE TEACHES IT, BUT THE TRUTH OF WHAT I FEEL IS THAT HE REALLY KINDA TOLERATES ME. (laughs) AND HE WISHES I WOULD BE A BETTER CHRISTIAN, HUSBAND, dad mom wife son daughter friend a better human being he just kind of tolerates me so what is it really that big a deal if we don't truly believe that god loves us and loves us unconditionally in a word yes this is a very big deal if we doubt god's love then the next step for Satan, the next logical step he's going to take is to cause us to have doubts about God himself. The enemy would love nothing more than to whisper the condemning, burdensome lie that I've got to always be strong. I've got to always be full of faith. I've got to always be unwavering in order for God to love me. So oftentimes, many Christians begin to think thoughts like, If my life is hard, if my prayers seem to go unanswered, if my hopes are unfulfilled, then does God really love me? Let me ask you a simple question. Does it mean God doesn't love me if I'm not as good as I should be and my circumstances aren't as good as I want them to be? Not according to Scripture. I want you to listen to a few verses. When I was listing these verses, I literally had to stop because I knew that we wouldn't have time for me to list what turned out to be hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that declare God's unconditional and unfailing love for us. Jeremiah 29:11 For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future Psalm 109 help me Lord my God save me according to what to your uh unfailing love psalm 36 how priceless is your unfailing love oh god people take refuge in the shadow of your wings like little chicks running underneath the wings of a mother bird romans 5 And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Back to 1 John again, 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we love god but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins first john 3 see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god and that is what we are psalm 86 but you lord are a compassionate and gracious god slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. When Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock, um, when he was there getting the tablets, and he asked God to let him see, and God told him, Well, I'll show you my back, but you cannot see my face. You cannot see, but I'll cause my glory to pass in front of you. He hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. And the pre-incarnate jesus appeared and he saw the back of god if you will but as god was passing by this is what he was saying about himself he was shouting it about himself on the mountaintop about his compassion about his grace about being slow to anger abounding in love and faithful ephesians 2 but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved 1st peter 5 cast all your anxiety not your big anxiety not sometimes your mediocre size anxiety cast all your anxiety on him Why because he cares for you? Isaiah 54 though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed says the lord who has compassion on you ephesians 3 So that you can know this love that surpasses knowledge, you will never understand it fully in this life until you are changed in the twinkling eye and receive the mind of Christ and are changed to be like him. Then you will finally understand the unconditional love of God that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Jeremiah 31 The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Psalm 136, give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Hebrews 13, Jesus says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. Here's another question. In your heart of hearts, do you believe that God loves you loves you unconditionally? Do you find it difficult to fathom that the God of the universe has positive, affectionate thoughts towards you moment by moment, day after day, year after year? If you do, you're not alone. Many Christians struggle with the concept like the enduring, infinite, unconditional love of God. I think this is because we read about it and we can even experience God's love, but our knowledge of love is primarily based on how we experience it as humans in a fallen world. And so our understanding of a divine love will always prove to be inadequate. That's why it's so, so, so important that you spend time reading a few scripture verses every day as a way of having God talk directly to you. It's so important for your well-being. We do not have any concept of an unconditional love apart from what he says about it in the pages of Holy Scripture and in the example we have in his Son, our Savior. Most of us struggle imagining that a love without any sort of conditions could even exist. Yet God wants us to know that it not only not only exists, he wants us to really believe it and to act upon it as we receive that truth. Normally, when Marty and I are up here preaching, we will use uh, slides with scripture verses out of the New American Standard Bible because we like the very, very literal translation of the Hebrew and the Greek. But today, I deliberately want to share a passage here Where i used a different version because what i want is i want you to hear straight from god whenever i'm sharing it with you i want you to hear him talking to you and i want you to accept the truth of this passage and sometimes one of the best ways to have that communication take place is to change Up, So it's not something that you normally have read that you've normally heard So you're hearing it with a fresh mind and fresh ears This isn't so that you'll be Bible smarter We're a great church and we uh, help you grow in your Bible knowledge What I want this morning is for a kind loving Heavenly Father To talk to you. I want you to hear him. I want you to know what he's saying I want you to believe it. You're his child whom he loves AND I REALLY WANT YOU TO BASK IN THE WARMTH OF EVERY WORD OF THIS PASSAGE. LISTEN IF YOU WANT TO, YOU CAN FOLLOW ALONG IF YOU WANT TO AND READ. THE HOLY SPIRIT HELPS US IN OUR WEAKNESSES. FOR EXAMPLE, WE DON'T KNOW WHAT GOD WANTS US TO PRAY FOR, BUT THE HOLY SPIRIT PRAYS FOR US WITH GROANINGS THAT CANNOT BE EXPRESSED IN WORDS. AND THE FATHER WHO KNOWS ALL HEARTS KNOWS WHAT THE SPIRIT IS SAYING, FOR THE SPIRIT PLEADS. FOR US BELIEVERS IN HARMONY WITH GOD'S OWN WILL. AND WE KNOW THAT GOD CAUSES EVERYTHING TO WORK TOGETHER FOR THE GOOD OF THOSE WHO LOVE GOD AND ARE CALLED ACCORDING TO HIS PURPOSE FOR THEM. FOR GOD KNEW HIS PEOPLE IN ADVANCE, AND HE CHOSE THEM TO BECOME LIKE HIS SON SO THAT HIS SON WOULD BE THE FIRSTBORN AMONG MANY BROTHERS AND SISTERS. AND HAVING CHOSEN THEM, HE CALLED THEM TO COME TO HIM. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. NEITHER DEATH NOR LIFE, NEITHER ANGELS NOR DEMONS, NEITHER OUR FEARS FOR THE DAY OR OUR WORRIES ABOUT TOMORROW, NOT EVEN THE POWERS OF HELL CAN SEPARATE US FROM GOD'S LOVE. NO POWER IN THE SKY ABOVE OR THE EARTH BELOW. INDEED, NOTHING IN ALL CREATION WILL EVER BE ABLE TO SEPARATE US FROM THE LOVE OF GOD THAT IS REVEALED IN CHRIST JESUS OUR LORD. HEAR ME CLEARLY. God's thoughts, his intentions, desires, and plans are always for our good and never for our harm. The God of the universe is for us. He is not against us. That's why I asked him to sing that final song before I came out. He loves us for who we are, who he's made us as his children. Who he has set free is free indeed. You're a child of God. Yes, you are. God is kind, open, approachable, honest, genuine, eager to be your friend, Jesus taught you. Although he's majestic in holiness, he desires to be friends with you. He longs to hear everything you're going through and everything we're thinking or feeling. He equally wants to share his heart and thoughts through us, and he does that through the pages of Scripture. He takes pleasure in us just for the unique people that we are, completely apart from anything you've done, any performance, any accomplishment. He takes pleasure in us simply because he made each one of us a unique creation that he personally designed and brought about. As I've had six grandchildren in the span of four years, I can tell you they're all different, and I appreciate every single one. They all have a very unique and distinct personality. When I work with the staff here, I use a tool I learned to use in the government work that I did for 30 years, a Myers-Briggs personality test. According to Myers-Briggs, God in his infinite wisdom made 16 personality types and evidently called them all good, you know, because he designed everybody's personality, kind of wired you. And so the ENFPs that I've met in my life as an ISTJ, I do not have a single letter in common with them. (laughs) And yet, I can honestly say that God truly likes ENFPs because he made a lot of them, I've discovered, (laughs) (laughs) over the years. Sometimes our personality that I'm alluding to, sometimes our family of origin, some of you that know me know that My family of origin involved alcoholism, abuse, violence. Along with my personality type, the ISTJ that I've uh, just referred to, I've really struggled over the years to believe and keep believing the truth of God's unconditional love for me. I've been told I have a lot of drive. (laughs) That's probably true. Uh, Myers Briggs personality uh, has me as a classic ISTJ, which basically means I'm an introverted, fact driven, less emotional decision making leader. Now, that's not so bad if you're going to spend 30 years in the military, and it's actually pretty good if you're going to be the executive pastor of a megachurch. <laughs> but if you want to crush an ISTJ emotionally, you want to wound them, simply tell them you're disappointed in them or that. They've let you down. And then just back away so you don't get caught by the bloody spray as the self-flagellation just starts. (laughs) That, oh, my gosh, I feel horrible. That That's how you feel. So you can see how as a sinful person, somebody from a family of origin that's less than ideal, a personality type like Mr. ISTJ here, could I daily feel like I let God down and disappoint him? Could I easily assume that God only loves me when I'm performing, <sighs> performing, achieving, doing right things? That's not what the scriptures teach about God and his love for me. My 40-plus years of experience with Christians is that we all at some point in time, in some way, struggle to a degree about believing that God loves us unconditionally. Many of us believe that we have to somehow earn God's favor. I think, you know, if I read my Bible, he likes me better. If things aren't going so well, I must be not being very obedient. I must not be very good. I want you to hear a passage out of Zephaniah, a prophet that you probably don't read that often. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save and deliver. He will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. In this passage, God is telling a rebellious people that he actually stands over them singing and rejoicing like a mother sings over her upset child to calm them down. No matter how bad we may have blown it, the truth is that God Almighty is with us and is always for us. As believers in Jesus Christ, his spirit dwells inside each of us. He wants to deliver us and quiet the stress of our hearts with a love that's not contingent on anything that you do. Romans 5:8 reminds us of this truth. He demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In spite of our sinfulness, he demonstrated his love by sending a perfect, loving savior to pay the penalty to die for you and to die for me. So how do you apply what I've told you today? What I want you to do is this week possibly read Romans eight twenty-six through 39 as your only devotional reading this week. Read it. Read it the next day. Read it the next day. Read it this week. In addition to that, read it throughout the day anytime you doubt God's unfailing love this week. Just go back to it, read it again. Better still, memorize it so that it becomes a part of you and it's with you always. And the Holy Spirit can always take it, grab it, and do a quick auto correction of any wrongful thinking that you have as the enemy whispers to you. Every time you confess a sin this week, in the confession, in the confession, after you said what you've done wrong and agree with God that it was not right, thank you that you love me, and you always will love me. Ask God to make this vital truth ring true in your heart as well as your mind. God's love is conditional, it's free. All we have to do to experience it is accept it and rejoice in it. So please. I'm speaking to myself. Stop trying to earn God's love. Just experience it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.